Hey, hey, good morning. It is. Don't at me. I am Dan Dockich, and welcome. We got some great video for you today. Look, I got a number of things today. I got a bucket list for you. I got our five for Tuesday, which is basically I give you five things that I like. Uh, and today it's a bucket list of sports pretty much in celebration of this weekend's Indianapolis 500. Taylor Silverman is going to join us. Taylor Silverman is a skateboarder that is outspoken. She got beat by some transgender guys, I guess, and she thinks it's unfair. And of course, you know what happens when you do that. Immediately, you're a transphobic, you're anti that. No, she just wants a level playing field. And I got to tell you, She's pretty brave for speaking out. She's going to join us at 10 o'clock. She's pretty brave for speaking out because you know the hate that's there. Hell, Pat Forty, who's a national writer for Sports Illustrated, uh, covers swimming maybe better than anybody. His daughter was an Olympic swimmer. Pat's afraid to touch the subject. but And that's how dicey this subject is. But, hey, look, Taylor says, wait a second, I got cheated out of five grand. Uh, I want to talk about this. That's all she's doing, so I'm going to give her – the forum to talk about it. But first, ladies and gentlemen, this is quickly becoming, I know Dylan loves it, Ryan loves it, Corey loves it, Davey loves it. Here we go, Huntington Beach. Here come some thugs in with hammers and oh, a brother and sister say, you ain't robbing our store, baby. You ain't robbing our store. Get your ass out of here. You ain't smashing and grabbing here at the Princess Bride Diamond Store in Huntington Beach. That's right. They're not messing around. I love it. Look at this. Hey, man, you got hammers? Look at these cowards. That, look at these kind of coming back in. You know, guys that rob places are cowards. Wouldn't you agree, Lee? Oh. Lee, I want you to see this video at the... Look at this. Wouldn't you like to do this at Athleta? This is a brother and a sister protecting their diamond store. And look at these cowards running. All you got to do stand up to them. Stand up to everybody. That's right. Damn right. That's my wife, the lovely Lee Ross, getting ready to go just get it done today. Already ran five miles. I love that video. Best Buy, I work for you. Go to Best Buy. Cowards. These guys act like badasses. They put their little hoods on. They put their masks on. They grab their hammers. We're going to smash and grab. Oh, no, you're not. See, at different stores in malls, you can't do that. Athleta in the Indianapolis Mall, don't do it. We don't want to be called racist if it's African-American, and we don't want lawsuits whether or not it's African-American or white, so go ahead and steal whatever you'd like. Nuh-uh, hell no. I've told you this before. Dylan and Ryan and the boys have sent me pictures. Now you can't leave. From a Bronx tale. That's right. Motorcycle gang comes in, causing trouble in the Bronx, in the neighborhood of Sonny's neighborhood. No, no. They lock the doors, they come out the back, and they beat the hell out of the guys causing trouble. That's how the world in my world should work. I'm sorry. It is. You just can't walk into a store and be such a chicken blanket. We're going to smash and grab. Yeah? We're going to beat your backside. Yeah, I like it. Hey, let me tell you right now, somebody comes in the middle of this and interrupts this show, we're throwing hands, baby. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, uh, this is sad. This next is really sad. Dwayne Haskins. 
you kind of knew, didn't you? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if, if we all want to fly right, I mean, we're all going to say, great guy, don't know how this happened. Well, we all know how it happened. We all knew. I mean, look, I, and, and by all accounts, Dwayne Haskins is a great kid, but here's what happens. Fame is tough, man. Fame is tough. And not, not you know, 90%, 95% of people handle it, and, and then they go away. But, you know, when you get fame like this, and it doesn't go the way you want, let's be honest, Dwayne Haskins is one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the Big Ten. He is, I mean, by any measure. And he goes to the pros, and, you know, he's a little immature. It doesn't work out for him. All right, and that's hard to handle, man. That, that's hard to handle. So what do guys do? A lot of guys turn to drugs, alcohol, partying, you know, they're trying to distract themselves. Hell, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was a graduate assistant and it, my basketball was over and my dreams of being an NBA player were dead, I went to Nick's English Hut every day. Every day after practice, went, uh, went and got cheeseburger, had about five beers. I understand it. I do. And I think we all knew because the details were really shady. And I pray for his family. I, I honestly do. 0.24 alcohol level, man, that's that's a lot. Ketamine, which is an anesthesia, uh, anesthesia kind of drug, it's a recreational drug, it's very dangerous. Uh, woman in the car that wasn't his wife, whatever time in the morning, walking down the highway. I, I think, you know what, I, I hate to say this, but I think we all knew. You know, parents didn't go to the funeral. There's so much here. And at the end of the day, I feel bad. Now, I know a lot of people are going to make fun. That's not really my style with this. I I look at this and I say, look, if you can and you're a college coach uh, or an NBA coach or an NFL coach or whatever, use this as a teaching tool. Use this to say, look, it's not going to go well for you all the time. Very rarely, and I don't care what the profession is, very rarely do people end their careers, whatever the career is, on their own terms. Like I do radio and TV, I anticipate after 14, 15 years, my radio career, them to say, look, we don't want you anymore. I get that. You just don't get to walk out like Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, not very, very few people do. And it's going to go bad. And I say this all the time. You know, it, it doesn't do anybody any favors. I, I, it doesn't do anybody any favors to shield everyone from disappointment. we got to talk about disappointment. we got to set people up for disappointment. In a way, this isn't suicide, but in a way it is. You know, he went with his cousin, his friend. That's how it was described. He gets drunk. They get in a fight. They separate. He ends up in a car with some woman early in the morning walking on the street. 0.24. Now, i got to tell you, man, 0.24 is a lot. I'll never forget, kid in college, uh, it was his 21st, hammered, couldn't speak, couldn't walk. His brother-in-law was a damn cop. He had a breathalyzer. He was about 0.22, and I mean, he was incoherent, couldn't move. And I've always been scared of that level. Now, I'll have beers, but I, I always have this little clock about my friend back in college who was 0.22, and I'm like, I ain't getting there. 0.24 is a lot. And I really think this. I do. And I'm not trying to be morbid here. I think we need to prepare for people for failure. It's okay to be okay, by the way. You know, it's okay to be okay. We always say it's okay to not be okay. Let me tell you something. It's okay to be okay. I was talking to a friend of my wife. She's a psychologist. And she's like, look, we celebrate not being okay. How about we celebrate people that are okay? You know, it's all right to have failure and deal with it 
It's a bad deal, man. I, I hope that other professional athletes, particularly guys coming out of college, toughest part of an athlete's life, toughest part of an athlete's life is when they're done with college and all of a sudden they look around and they're not a part of a team anymore. They're, they didn't make it into pros. What do I do? Uh, my son dealt with it. Uh, my stepson dealt with it. I dealt with it. My wife dealt with it. Every friend of mine that I know, you know, some people are lucky. They go right into a job they love. A lot of people go into jobs they hate. It's not external. Like when I was a grad assistant in Indiana, everybody thought I was great. I wasn't. I wasn't. I understand what Dwayne Haskins is going through, and I hate it. I hate it. And I think instead of making sure that everybody is okay through their life, we got to talk about, hey, man, you failed here. Let's get, let's get it figured out. And I'm not talking about Haskins in this, man. I'm talking about across life. Man, I, I hate that. Uh, Josh Donaldson suspended one game by Major League Baseball. I got to tell you, I have mixed emotions on this. I, I usually have a very clear sense of, hey, this is how it should be. But I get where people are saying, look, Tim Anderson called himself Jackie Robinson. Tim Anderson said, I'm Jackie Robinson. So in my world, my smart aleck world of Northwest Gary, Indiana, Chicagoland area, you make fun of that. I'm sorry, you just do. Now that may offend you, but you just do. However, however, one of the things that came into play here, and I understand this, now, people are going to say the Major League Baseball said that his comments precipitated a bench-clearing brawl, whatever the context of his co comments were. Other people are saying, now, wait a second. The bench-clearing brawl came because of Tim Anderson. They came because, hey, look, uh, Tim Anderson's the one that started this, not Josh Donaldson's comment. Major League Baseball feels like, hey, look, Josh Donaldson, because of the history between Donaldson and Anderson, which I did not know, because of the history between the Yankees and the White Sox, which, by the way, Aaron Judge talked about. Aaron Judge said it's a tough one. Joke or not, I don't think it's the right thing to do there. Given the history, especially the series in Chicago and the little bit of beef between Anderson and Donaldson. See, that's where you got to go. Context is important. Nuance is important. And I never say nuance is important, but I do say it here. Look, if this was a normal thing, hey, Jackie, and you're just making fun of a guy calling himself a name. Like if I wrote an article, yeah, I'm kind of a jackass. And somebody walked up to me and said, hey, jackass, and was laughing, and I knew the reference, I'd be like, all right. But given history, I don't know. So one game suspension, Donaldson will appeal. I'll be honest with you. I don't know whether or not Donaldson will win the appeal or whether he won't win the appeal. I really have no idea. I don't. I don't know whether he's in the right or the wrong. I don't know whether he can stand in front of an appeal guy or judge and say, hey, look, this is why I did what I did. But one thing I will say, we can't wait to call people racist. That's for damn sure. And, you know, at the end of the day, you get called racist, it sticks with you. But also at the end of the day, how about a little empathy? How about a little, hey, man, wait a second here. I know what you're trying to do. I get that all the time. 
I had a writer for the Indy Star, right? He's a boxer. He mad at me, Greg Doyle. He, he mad because who knows what he's mad. He's making fun of my philanthropic endeavors, meaning I talk too much about raising money for bikes for kids, which is the only way that I can raise money for bikes for kids. But anyway, so he wants to box, right? He's a boxer. I'm not a boxer, but he's a boxer. Oh, we'll fight for charity. I know what he's doing there. He wants to throw a few swings, make himself look good, use me, stand on my shoulders. I'm not a boxer. I've never been in a ring. I said, hey, we'll play basketball. Fine with me. Get your swings in there. I know what he's doing, right? And that's what I think Tim Anderson is here. I know what you're doing. You can couch it however you'd like, but I know what you're doing here, okay? That's what this is about. And we get that all the time in life, and I think most of you would agree with me. Yeah, I know what you're doing here, smartass. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying, but I know what you're doing, so okay, I'll go along with it. Well, Tim Anderson wasn't going along with it. So the appeals process hits. Josh uh, Donaldson is going to go along, and next thing you know, it's a much bigger deal maybe than it should be, but it is what it is. And Aaron Judge did not exactly, did not exactly come to his defense. Anderson's one of the best shortstop in the game, big part of Major League Baseball and how we can grow the game. Donaldson getting one-game suspension, I don't know. He owned up to it. You got to move on. Yeah, I, I get it. Is, is Anderson really a guy that's growing the game? I mean, are we really going to games to watch Tim Anderson? They had a bobblehead night. Yeah, I don't know who's growing the game. I don't know. Tim Anderson's a good player, though, and I like him. Uh, Judge also said he's a pro. He talked to all of us, filled us in on what he's referring to, but still, I don't think it was the right move. It's time to move on. We're grown men. We own up to what we did. That's all we can ask, especially when we're playing games every day. Can't sit there and linger on it. You learn from it, you make a mistake. Uh, Aaron Boone said, hey, look, they did their due diligence. They made a tough call and agree with it. I don't think it warranted a suspension. I don't know. I know this, though. The old, I know what you're trying to do here does factor into this. I, think, I don't know what Josh Donaldson was trying to do, but I bet you Tim Anderson does, and that's why he made a deal of it. All right. I love a beef, and I love when people get into a beef. So we all know that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher had a beef. Where's the beef? They had a beef. So they have a beef. Saban didn't do anything other than basically say what everybody has been saying, including in different media parts. I think we have the audio on this. Justin Thomas jumps in as an Alabama grad on the Saban Jimbo Fisher. Do we have the audio? I can't get out of here without asking an Alabama-related question. Uh, Nick Saban has a 24-hour rule. Mm -hmm. How long does the Justin Thomas celebrate the PGA Championship rule? Yeah, I got a 24-hour rule. Um, yeah, maybe I'm not sure what Jimbo Fisher's rule is, but I guess he's got to win something first before he figures out his rule. So, um, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm playing playing next week, so we'll enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, we're in a hard, we're in the middle of a very very big stretch of this season. So um, it's great to to be able to spend this time, you know, with my team. But but it's back to work. Yeah, that's in reference to Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban having at it, having words, throwing word hands. I think I'm going to uh, trademark word hands. They're throwing word hands. 
Jimbo Fisher bought his recruiting class, said Saban. Saban's despicable, (laughs) said Jimbo Fisher. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. We talked about it yesterday. In jumps Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach. The old ball coach said, hey, is Saban lying? What's Jimbo mad about? Jimbo got nothing to be mad about. Jimbo hadn't even won a division. Whoa, what? Wait, oh, wait. And now all of a sudden, now Justin Thomas, best tread lightly here. Because for those of us that remember, now this depends on how far Jimbo Fisher wants to take this. Because Justin Thomas had a bit of a homophobic slur back about a year ago that he lost sponsors over. So does Jimbo Fisher, this is like days of our lives, right? All my children, General Hospital, or the the greatest show of all time, Soap, look it up if you don't know what it is. Does Jimbo Fisher bark back? Does he clap back with, hey, Justin, I may not have won what you've won, but I also haven't made slurs like you've made, Justin, and then play those slurs. Depends on how deep he wants to go here. I mean, those slur- it's not like that's 10 years ago, 8, 10, 12, whatever years ago. It's a year or so ago. So if I'm Justin Thomas, man, hey, look, you win something like that, I got to imagine you feel bulletproof. Hell, when I was at Bowling Green and we beat, I don't know, Ball State, I felt bulletproof. I can only imagine how bulletproof I would feel after winning the damn PGA for the second time, holding that big trophy, making a couple million. I'd be bulletproof, baby. Yeah, I would. But it'll be interesting to see if Jimbo wants to take it there. I'm not so sure that I wouldn't. I'm not so sure. And here's why. All right? And tell me if you agree with this. If I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm going to get tired of the shots, okay? I'm going to get tired of all the shots. So do I want to take it there as a cautionary tale to others of, hey, look, I'll go wherever you want to go. I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. But I don't know that I wouldn't do that either. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. But, hey, that's pretty good. See, this is what I love about college sports. The reason Justin Thomas did that was because he's an Alabama guy. He is an Alabama guy. Went to Alabama. Basically, he's from Louisville. Went to Alabama. And you love your school. You love your school, man. You do. You love your school. I don't know. To me, that's fun. To me, that's the way the world works. And I don't claim anything other than to clap back at him however I can. I ish kabibble. Hey, uh, last night, we had a horrific performance. I'm talking about an all-time horrific performance offensively by the Miami Heat. Now, you got to understand, Eric Spolster is the 15th best coach and one of the 15th best coaches ever. You see the numbers right there. Isn't it interesting? 14 threes made by one team, eight by the other, and the one team lost. 90 shots by the Heat, only 78, and they lost. Look at that free throw discrepancy there. 
Man, all I'm going to tell you is this. When you get down 18 to 1, you pretty much got a problem. You pretty much, one of two things happened. Let's go to giving credit, okay? Here's the credit. You know, Celtic pride. Celtic pride was always a real thing. Look at that, 11 blocks. Wow. Celtic pride was what Red Auerbach put into that operation a long, long time ago. And I'm talking about a long time ago. So Celtic pride is where you are expected to play well every day. You're expected to coach well. You're expected to practice well. And as much as anything, you're expected to rebound from disappointment because you have what? Pride. So guess what? So Celtic pride reared its ugly head. Now the Celtics are 5-0 after losses in the playoffs. That's Celtic pride. The Celtics played like garbage the other day. Horrible. Jason Tatum, awful in the loss to the Heat. I mean, ridiculous. But what did I just say? Celtic pride. Let me go through some numbers here. The Heat, first field goal with a little over three minutes to go. Now, for those of you that don't know or don't watch, an NBA quarter is 12 minutes. So you basically went eight and some change, 840 without a basket. Now, think about that for a second. To put it in a high school game, that's an entire quarter. You go an entire eight-minute quarter in Indiana, I don't know other states, but in an Indiana high school game, you've gone an entire quarter and into the second quarter without making a basket. Now, you also got to understand something else. These aren't high school kids. These are the damn best of the best. you got I don't even know how many millions of dollars on the court, and you don't get one basket. Now, I will say this. I will say... I thought that the defense of the Celtics was really good. But I'll also say, sometimes you just miss a bunch of shots. Let me go something else. Now, this is the first time they started, um, I guess, keeping this stat or paying attention to this stat or even worrying about this stat was 1970-71. Now, for those of you that are old, 70 to 1, it doesn't sound that long ago, but it's a long-ass time ago. It's 50 years. All right, let's be honest, 50-some years, all right? So in 50 years of keeping track of this, 18 points by the Heat starters is the lowest ever. Let me say that again, ever, since they started keeping track in 1970-71, over 50 years, 51 years ago. It's the worst starting, shooting, scoring, whatever, performance ever. Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time we said in a sport like basketball or football, baseball, I guess, when's the last time we said a team did something the worst ever? Now, I get it. Baseball goes back a couple hundred, you know, it's forever ago, right? It's 106 years, 200 years, whatever the hell it is. So this isn't as much that. It's only 50-some years, right? They didn't keep track before 1970. But when is the last, let's even go 50 years. When's the last time a team did something best or worst ever in a sport? Man, good for them. Good for them. What the hell? Hey, look, 
There's a theory. If you're going to go bad, go bad, man. Go bad. Just go bad. If you're going to be great, be great. If you're going to be horse bleep, be horse bleep. That's it. Makes sense to me. So we had, let me, I, I, I want to actually look at this. I want to see if people are mad uh, about this. You know, I don't know. Buzz Wolf says it is BS, but Donaldson is a proven troublemaker. Fair enough. All right. Another reason to boycott the soft, boring, woke sport known as baseball. That's from Viva La Patriots. Bill's Mafia Goon says only people seeing the common as racist are people who didn't do their due diligence to read the full context of what the term was used. Or you're racist yourself and hypocritical view of the world through the racist lens yourself. All right, there you go. Mike Rorch says, Jackie must be short for jackass. Wow. A lot of people are not happy, ladies and gentlemen. They ain't happy with Tim Anderson. Hey, look, I go back to this. I know what you were doing there. I know what you were doing. That's a big part of life. Uh, Coming up, Taylor Silverman's going to join us. Here's the deal. Let me ask you also this. So are you immediately a transphobe? Do you, are you immediately anti-transgender people? Because you have a conversation where somebody feels like it's unfair that a woman loses to a transgender male? Like, are you immediately a hater of this? I I, I don't know. I mean, why are we not allowed to even have a discussion? Why does it always like, well, you brought this up, so you are a phobe or an ist? Why, Why are folks not even allowed to discuss this? We're gonna discuss it. Also, hey, the Indianapolis 500 is this weekend, and it made me think, Now that I'm basically just a fan, what is a bucket list for other people? I've been to a few of these that I have as a bucket list, but I'm going to give you five events, and I'm going to tell you how to do them. See, there's an important distinction between going to an event and knowing how to do the event. Does that make sense? Like, if whenever I go somewhere, let's say I'm going to Boston to see my stepdaughter, and we're going to go to Fenway. I always ask somebody that knows, hey, man, tell me what to do around Fenway. Right? I mean, because I want to know. So I'm going to tell you what to do. All right? I'm going to tell you what event to go to, and I'm going to tell you how to, quote, do the event. This is a bucket list on steroids, ladies and gentlemen. And then, I, and I can't wait to talk to her. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I can't wait to, uh, to talk to Taylor Silverman. I want to find out what the hell happened here. She got cheated, in her words, out of $5,000. Red Bull sponsored. Transgender wins. Hey, I know everybody in sports is afraid to address this topic. Not me, baby, because I think we need to have discussions like this. Let's find out. Let's see what's going on here. Let's see what's real. Or we could just say everybody's an ist, 
Or we could just say everybody's a phobe. Nah. Also, today, today in stupidity, and I got a lot of stupidity to show you folks. I got a monster. Stay with us. I got a bucket list, not only what to do, but how to do it when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, did you know we have our own YouTube channel coming? That's right, El Presidente. That's right, Joe to the C. That's right. All you guys that want to get on there and spar with my boys, Dylan and Ryan. That's right. We got our own YouTube channel coming. I think it's coming June 6th. Yeah, don't at me. You can at me on the YouTube channel. All right. Everybody gives you a bucket list, right? And they say, hey, you got to go to this. And you do. And generally, a bucket list of sports stuff is really good. Right? Everybody's got their own what they like to do, and they're right. They're not wrong. I mean, hell, uh, a lot of fun is had at events where other people give you the, um, what's the right word? Other people give you the, the recommendation to do them, but rarely do they tell you how to do them. They generally just say, hey, man, you got to do this. But in honor of the Indianapolis 500, in honor of it, I am going to give you a bucket list and let you know not not only what you should go to, but how you should go about it. Now, number one, number five, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go five and down. Go to a basketball game at either Duke, Cameron Indoor Stadium, Mackey Arena, West Lafayette or Assembly Hall, Bloomington, Indiana. Now, you say, well, don't, no, serious business here. Let's start with Cameron Indoor. Cameron Indoor is in Durham, which is all right. It's fine. Cameron Indoor is nice. Fine. Here's how you go to a game at Cameron Indoor. Saturday game, all right? You get there Friday. You stay at the Washington Conference Center right there on campus. That's what you do. You unload, you put your stuff up, you get ready, and this is going to sound weird. You get in your car, your rental car, and you drive eight miles to North Carolina. That's right. You drive eight miles to Chapel Hill. Now, follow me here. You go in. The Dean Dome seems like it's always open. I've been there three times, twice, uh, once to broadcast, twice, uh, just I was there. I was watching Lee's teams play softball. I met her there. We went into, we went uh, once with my kid. So once with Lee's team, once with my kid. So here's the deal. So you go over to the Dean Dome and you walk in. The Dean Dome is cool because you look up, if you're a basketball fan, and I assume you are, there's all these jerseys, man. It's like, holy cow, I forgot that guy played. Oh, man, that guy, I remember that guy. It is literally like that. And then you walk around the concourse and they have every single jersey or team that won. It's cool. Trust me on this. And then what I did when I brought my son, my nephew, or my son and his buddy uh, Tyler Dunn and his dad, I told him bring swimsuits because in the bottom there's a pool. It's where the swimming and diving is. So we went in there. This is what I do. This is why I'm a good dad but also makes my kids nervous. I'm like, bring your swimsuits. We're going swimming. They're like, what are you talking about? No, there's a pool down there. They had diving boards. So if you want to go swimming, you go down. If it's open, you go in, you go in, you go swimming. What are you going to do, kick you out? So what? 
So you do that. Then, ladies and gentlemen, you get out, you do whatever, and if you're of age, you go to Franklin Street. You go have a beer at the Four Corners. Now, what does this have to do with Duke? Not nothing, really. There's nothing at Duke. Go have a beer. If you want to eat, you go to the, the corner, top of the corner restaurant. Then you go back to Durham. All right? Then you go back to the room and you just take a walk. There are very few campuses where I say you just take a walk. Okay? You just take a walk. You go by Shashevskyville. You hang out there. You have a chat with students at Shashevskyville. But the campus is cool. A bar, I think, in one of the uh, unions. You go there if you'd like. You can go downtown Durham, see the ballpark. That's all good. But taking a walk on campus, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a big I like to walk the campus guy, but that place was kind of cool. And then you go to the game. That's the way you do Durham. It kills two birds with one stone. You got the North Carolina element, so you've seen the Dean Dome. You've had, look, the Four Corners is a cool place. Good food. You can eat there if you'd like. Or right on the corner of Franklin, there's the, the Top of the World restaurant, whatever it is. It's right there. You can't miss it. Everybody knows it. Sit outside. You're overlooking Franklin Street. It's really good. Durham, not much there. Do kids go to North Carolina? But you got to walk the campus. You do. And you got to stand around and look at Krzyzewskiville. Then you get up day to game. Let's say it's a noon game. You get up day to game. You get yourself something to eat there in the hotel. And you go and you watch Krzyzewskiville. It's cool. All right, you go to Assembly Hall, Bloomington, Indiana. This is all the same. You go to Assembly Hall, all right? Here's what you do. You go, if you go the night before, you stay at the graduate. Or you stay at the student union. Student union's all right. Student union's great. A little overpriced, old. Eh, it's good, though. The graduate's right on Kirkwood. So you go to the graduate, right? Stay there. You walk down either way. Let's say for the sake of argument, you get there the night before Friday. You go to the best steak place you will ever eat. It's called Little Zagreb's in Bloomington. Unbelievable, unbelievable steak. Maybe the best. I'm just telling you. So you go get a nice steak the night before. Then you go right next door. There's a bar this big. It's called the Alley Bar. You go have a beer. You go see all the fellas that are in there. Angle will be in The boys will be in there. That's, that's your Friday. Now, it's the only bar I ever walk into, and I go, hey, everybody, a drink on me, because it's not a very big bar, but it makes me feel like a big guy. The next morning, you get up. You go, honest to God, any number of places. Village Deli, fantastic. Village Deli is unbelievable. It's great, okay? Or, you know what? You go to the upt Uptown. Uptown's unbelievable, too. A great place for breakfast. You get a little breakfast. Then you walk around up and down, go into campus, beautiful. Then you go, and you're pre-gaming now. You go just for one, just for one, because you want to see the students. You go to Kilroy's right on Kirkwood. You go to Kilroy's just for one. And if you're feeling saucy, you spin the wheel. You spin the damn wheel. It's a shot wheel. How about this? At 50 years old, my daughter was a student there. I had to teach her what the shot wheel was. Anyway, then you go across the street, 
and you go to Nick's. Nick's is, ah, it's Mecca. You get a Strom. You get extra cheese on the Strom and extra pickles. Best pickles in the world at Assembly Hall. The best. And you have a, uh, you have a beer. Yeah. They're not pints. I forget what they're, yeah, not, not yards either. I forget what they're called. But it's a great afternoon. And then you go to the game. Uh, Mackey Arena, I got nothing for you, except after the game, you go to Harry's Chocolate Shop. Sounds like a chocolate place. No, it's a bar. I like the bar. Harry's Chocolate Shop's a cool bar, but I go after the game. Before the game, you know what? You're in West Lafayette. It's a hellhole. You just, you just go to the game. But after the game, you go to Harry's. And if you're there on a Saturday before the game, they're going to feed you a little cup. Plastic. I didn't like it. But I do like it after the game because it's packed and all the Purdue fans go there and they talk about the game. It's fun. Really fun. I'm just telling you, if you're going to college hoops, those are the three places to go. All right? Let me give you the next one. Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field. You got to go to Wrigley. If you can sit in the bleachers, even better. But here's the deal with Wrigley. You get there early. You get there early, you park wherever. I don't care. I got all kinds of different places to park. I'm not going to tell you one of them because I don't want you parking there. There's a free place to park. I ain't telling you where it is. I'm not. I've been sworn to secrecy by my father, my late father. So I ain't telling you. But I'll tell you this. You go to Wrigley Field, you get there early. You walk around the field. You know what you're going to see in left field? Guys with mitts. Batting practice, home runs go over the fence. You stop in at Murphy's. You got to go to Murphy's. Murphy's is like the biggest fraternity party you've ever seen. And I don't care if you're my age. You go to Murphy's. You go to Murphy's, you have an old style. You get yourself an old style when you're in Chicago. You get an old style. Don't at me. You get an old style. What's an old style? I had a friend, Gary Winger, listen to this. I go, hey, Wingy. We're going to Wrigley, and we're going to drink old styles. He goes, hey, man, I'll drink any style you want. No, it's old style beer. You got to drink an old style. Then center field is where uh, Murphy's is, literally right across, literally right there. You walk around right field past the, uh, is it Harry Carey statue out there? They just put a Fergie one up past the statues, and you go to home plate. And down the street from home plate, literally half a block, is a place called Sluggers. Now, you're a dude. You get into Sluggers and you take BP. My wife and I had a bet. She said she could hit an 80-mile-an-hour fastball. So she went in the fastest cage. Guess what she did? She had an 80-mile-an-hour fastball. Damn. But anyway, you go to Sluggers. You take BP. You got to take BP before the game. I mean, what the hell? You just going there to watch? You go to Sluggers, you take some swings, you go upstairs, you buy the tokens, it's old school. You can't hardly see. Probably dangerous. It's dark. You know, you can't see nothing. But you go to Sluggers. And then between Sluggers and Wrigley is the Cubby Bear. Cubby Bear is owned by a Greek family from IU. The daughter was an Olympic diver. You just go in and have a beer. You stand there, you, you just do. Don't at me. You just do. But here's the best part of it. This is what my wife and I do. One time or maybe twice a year. You stay at the Zachary. I'm being literal here. Here is Wrigley. Here's the Zachary. It's a little pricey, 
particularly on a game weekend. But you know what? You're married. You got a girlfriend. Do it right. You stay at the Zachary. You get there the night before. You hang out. And next thing you know, you got the whole day at Wrigley. You go to the 220 or 120 start. You stay there all day. It's awesome. And then here's the kicker. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the kicker. You got to stay to the end of the game. Because I'm telling you, this is something, and you know me, I'm not this guy normally, but you got to stay to the end of the game because they play go, Cubs, go. Go, Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are gone. They win. Everybody pulls out their W flags, and it's a freaking blast. I'm telling you. And then if you're sober, go downtown Chicago. I'm going to give you one bar to go to, the Zebra Lounge. I'll let you look it up. Best spot in Chicago that nobody knows. Now you know. I shouldn't have told you, but I'm feeling saucy today. Yeah. Uh, One of the great sporting experiences of my life, an Alabama football game in Tuscaloosa. Now, I did not know this. I did not know this was going to be one of the great sporting experiences of my life. I've been to some places. I've been on the bench for a Final Four. I've been some. I've been to the Cubs World Series, first one ever in Wrigley. I've been to national championship games on the bench. I've been some. I was there the day after Bartman made the faux pas and Miguel Cabrero hit a two-run job. I've seen some things, but I ain't never seen nothing like a football game in Tuscaloosa. I cannot tell a lie. That was and remains my best fan experience ever. Obviously, when you're playing or you're coaching, a huge win is your best experience. But a football game in Tuscaloosa, I got to tell you, my favorite fan experience. It's not number one on a bucket list for me to tell people. It's number three. But a football, I wish I'd have sent the videos that I had of being there. It becomes like the world's biggest disco. The lights are flashing during the game. I'm talking about the big lights at kickoff. Everybody in the stands knows the cheers. Everybody's into it. When you walk to the game, I don't know where we stayed. We stayed at some uh, suites, and we walked down the main street to get to the game. We stopped in different bars. We had barbecue. It was unbelievable. And then, right before the game, I look over, and this is what I do. I look across the street from Bryant Denny Stadium, and there it was. There We were hungry. We were thirsty. It was my daughter, my wife, and me. A fraternity house with a band and a bar outside on a big lawn. So what did we do? You know what we did. We went right into the fraternity house, baby, and we went right to the lawn. We ordered us Alabama Slammas, which were awesome. So then as the band was playing and my wife, my beautiful wife, will watch music like it's her job, like she will watch music today, tomorrow, 
the next day. Sit there, watch, listen. See, I call it watch because part of the enjoyment of of listening to music is looking at the band. So, Lee, I'm trying to find you a picture here. So, Lee, myself, my daughter, we're sitting there, and we're having an Alabama Slam. It's a beautiful day. i got to tell you. Now, I don't know if this is sexist, perverted, or what, but everyone there is, like, half-dressed. Now, seriously, even my wife's like, hey, what are we doing? Like, cover up the sides. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, again, uh, make of that what you will. I'm just telling you the way it is. So, long story short, We're sitting there, and we're watching, and we're having a blast, and next thing you know, I'm hungry. So you and I both know, if you go to a fraternity house or a sorority house, what do they have? I'll tell you what they have. Right here. They got food, baby. Yeah. That's double D right there. I went inside. Yep, my daughter says, just made himself at home at Snoo with a plate of food. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I made myself at home. More pictures. Uh Uh-huh. And I found the ribs, the pulled pork, the corn. It was not kind of good. It was gloriously good. Look at this place. Tell me I'm wrong. Look at this. People are nuts. Hold on, I got better pictures. Look at this. The lights are discoing. You kidding me? How do you not want to go there? We had great seats. Greg McElroy hooked us up. Look at this. Are you bored yet? You should be. I got to tell you. And then go to the Tennessee home game. It'll be a couple more years. There's a tradition where you smoke cigars in the stands when you win. Telling you. It's unbelievable. Find a fraternity house that's having an outside party. Walk in. Grab a drink. Outside, pay for it. There's always food. (laughs) Ha ha! That's right. All right. Numero dos on the bucket list. The Kentucky Derby. That's right. Whatever. All right? Here's the deal with the Kentucky Derby. It's expensive, man. I mean, it costs you. I think once you get into Kentucky, well, I know this. There's a toll. So you got to pay to get in. The Kentucky Derby. My dog is now licking my crotch once again because she heard the bumpity, 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 bump. But anyway, the Kentucky Derby. Now, the Kentucky Derby has made a huge comeback here, right? I've told the story. Like, people stop and do whatever they're doing for the Kentucky Derby, but here's how you do the Derby. You do the Derby easy. Like, you do the Derby two ways. One, you can do it rich. If you're going to do it rich, here's what you do. You get a buddy. You find somebody. If you got a kind of money, you probably have a friend that is a member of a golf course called Valhalla. You go play golf at Valhalla the night before, the day before. You don't have to get a suite with the beautiful people to do the derby right. What you got to do is you got to plan ahead. You got to plan ahead and you got to get out of there. Get the hell out of there. 
you got to plan ahead, and you got to just get yourself tickets in the grandstand, not on the not on the ground, not in the infield. We're too old for the infield. Get yourself tickets. Get yourself a box seat ticket. It's expensive, but it's worth it. And then dress up. Don't be one of those that says, I hate people that dress up. No, dress up. Dress up. Do it right. Get a hat. Dudes, get a nice, you know, seersucker suit, some shorts if it's hot. And put on a bow tie or something nice. And you don't, hey, if you can get in a suite, you can get up with the beautiful people, great. But you don't need There is enough going on. There are enough people to watch. There's enough betting to make. There's enough races. There's enough interest. You literally don't have to be, you know, with Tom Brady and Giselle. No. Box seats, beautiful. They got sections of four. Go with another couple. Go with some of your buddies. But do it right. You get there early, not too early, not stupid. You don't have to. Park wherever, doesn't matter. There's all kind of parking. You go, you get in your seat, and you chill for a little bit. All right? You just look at the beauty of the track, the twin spires up there. And then, here's the key. You walk around the joint. You take a walk. You take a walk. If it's open, walk up it. Seriously. And then, another key. Walk down. Walk to the start-finish line. Go see the track. There's something magical about a start-finish line at the horse races. Magical. You got to have a mint julep. I think mint juleps are crap. I think they're crap. But we're at the Derby. We're going to do it right. We are. We're going to do it right. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you make your bets, but here's the key. You make your bets, you find a place, because they have these all over the place, where there's little pop-up places to make bets. You don't have to go to the window where there's a million people. There's all these little pop-ups, particularly in the rich folks area. So you look over there, you see, okay, I can get up those stairs. I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's key. What's even more key is when you're getting your money back, unless it's an 80-to-1 shot where the lines are very short. The lines are very short, the 80-to-1 shot, no problem. But if the favorite hits, you got about an hour wait sometimes cashing a ticket. So here's what you go upstairs. Always go upstairs. The higher you go, the fancier the party. Take my word for it. All right. I'm not biased here. I'm not. I'm not biased at all on this. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no bigger thrill in sports, none, than the start of the Indianapolis 500. I don't give a damn if you stay after the start. But here's what you do with the Indianapolis 500. You can get seats. Like, everybody worries about where their seats are. Well, you know, the best seats, because the the track is as big, you can't see the whole track. I mean, look up sometime about what all the track is, what can all fit in the track. Like, the L.A. Coliseum, Wrigley Field, they can all fit in the infield. There's a golf course in the middle of the track, for crying out loud. But. The most important thing that you can do at the Kentucky Derby is get, or excuse me, at the Indianapolis 500, tell me I'm wrong, you Indianapolis people, is get there early. It is the one place that truly celebrates the military, unlike any other place. You get there early. You see the bands marching. You see the military. You see the history. The cars are lined up, three, uh, 11 rows of three. The drivers are out there. The, 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 you can barely see the track. If you're lucky enough to get pit passes, then you go on the full, you go on there. 
I've been lucky enough to stand there at the cars because of the media passes 10 different times. But I'm telling you now, you get there early. You can worry. All you need is this. All you need. And then you can leave. But all you need is a ticket that you can see the track. You don't need to be here. You know, I'm high on one. I can see him coming down one into the short chute between two and three. And then I can see him for a while. And then on the other side, I see him coming out of the short chute of three and four. And I see him coming around four. You don't even need that. That's for the gearheads. You get there early. And here's the beauty. You bring your own cooler. You bring your own cooler. You know, it's got to be like this by this. I don't know. They got dimensions. They don't care. Stop it with as many beers and sandwiches as you want. But you got to be there for the start. You have to. No ifs, ands, or buts. After the balloons are released, the bands march, the military comes in, all that stuff, You, got, I'm telling you, there is no goosebump moment more in sport than the start of the Indianapolis 500. Couple laps to start it, and then you see the guy with the checkered flag or whatever the hell it is, white flag, and that last lap, here they come, and the pace car pulls off, and now they're coming, and I'm telling you, in the history of sport, there is nothing more powerful than these engines getting ready, taking off at the start, into turn one. I'm getting goosebumps right now, truthfully. And I ain't even Indy guy. I am not Indy 500 gearhead crazy guy. It's that powerful. I'm telling you, it's that powerful. It's that strong. Period. Don't make the mistake. I made one mistake in bucket list world. I didn't go see Gretzky play, and I'm mad about it. I should have gone to see Gretzky play hockey. Don't go your entire life not seeing the start of the Indianapolis 500. You're going to say to me, I don't care. This guy's turning left. Here's what the dummy said. Oh, what the hell, Dawkins? This guy's turning left. What's interesting about that? Yeah, do it once. One time. The finish is great. The finish is awesome. Like, make no mistake. Like, with my kids, we used to play golf in the morning at this place, uh, Broadmoor Country Club. It was on 56th Street. The race is on 16th. You could hear the cars. We would have the radio on. We would play early and because everybody on that day is at the track in Indy, so you could play. So my kids were little. We would go play, and you know what? We'd be done with about 30 laps to go. We'd get to the track. We'd go in the back. You could always get in with 30 laps to go. Nobody's watching. We'd go in turn two. Some people are leaving. We'd find a seat, and then we would watch the last 20 laps. It was awesome. So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that the number one thing on anybody's bucket list, just just go once, is the Indianapolis 500. And if you disagree with me after seeing the start, I'll listen to you. But you got to see it first, because I know all the reasons not to. I know all the reasons. Man, I ain't sitting there for three hours. Good, don't. The best thing to do is watch the start. Boom, boom, all right. And then walk around. Walk around for two hours. And go back to your seat, catch the end, 
and try to figure out how the hell you're getting home. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, I, if, I, if I tell you something this adamantly, trust me when I say it's worth it, period. Start of the Indianapolis 500, man. There's nothing better in sports. Uh, Lauren says, I go every year, absolutely electric. There's nothing like it in sports. I'm telling you. There you go. Thank me later. Send me an email, dan at 1070thefan.com. You know, you're sitting around. You don't know what to do this weekend. There's always tickets. It's going to be 350,000 of your favorite friends. But get there for the start. And then do whatever you want to do. And do yourself a favor. Don't get arrested. There's nothing worse. I mean, I'm sure there's worse. But Indy 500 jail, I've been told by people, is horrible. Horrible. So there you go. All right. Coming up. I like brave people. I don't like chicken blank people. And I don't also, I don't understand some of the things we live in. Like, my wife, as I've told you this, is a legendary softball player in college, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame coach, all-time winningest coach at Syracuse, all-time winningest coach at Bowling Green. She, her daughter is a third baseman at Harvard. They got to play against a transgender boy, girl, I don't know. Um, And just because you discuss transgender doesn't mean you're a phobe. Just because you have questions about it doesn't mean you're some kind of hater. We're going to talk when we come up to Taylor Silverman, who is one of the bravest women that you're ever going to see because she dared, dared question whether it is fair for a transgender person to compete in female events. How dare she do that, right? I don't get it. This is a conversation that so many are afraid to have. I'm glad Taylor brought it. I'm so proud that she chose to come on my show. In a minute, we'll talk to Taylor Silverman, and I can't wait. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, on this show, one of the reasons I I love not working at ESPN anymore and I love working here is because you can have discussions about things that are actual. You don't have to stay woke or you don't have to toe a company line. You can literally have discussions. And because you discuss doesn't mean that you're some kind of hater. Taylor Silverman spoke up. And I'm I'm, going to let you walk us through this. But the bottom line is, you're a skateboarder, you saw something unjust, and instead of sitting there and complaining about it privately, you reached out to the sponsors and brought something to the attention of folks that I think needs broad attention. Walk us through this. I was participating in a Red Bull contest last year, and I was made aware upon arrival that there was a transgender competitor in the finals. And I thought it was unfair at the time. I was really uncomfortable. So I just participated and went through the motions of a contest like I would trying to be a good sportsman. But the more that I sat with it and thought about it, the more I felt like I needed to say something because I recognized that this is an issue bigger than skateboarding. This is impacting all different sports and girls and women on all levels. What were you uncomfortable with? I think that like many other women, I was scared of being blacklisted, of being harassed for speaking up for myself. And I also, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
But when you see something happening that's wrong, I think you need to speak up. And I was also kind of putting my own feelings aside when I didn't speak up. So the longer that I went not speaking up, the harder it got to stay silent. And I finally realized I had to do something. So I reached out to Red Bull, but I was ignored. So I went to social media. Were, were you uncomfortable during the event? Yes, I was very uncomfortable. I, I was trying to just have a good time and skateboard like I usually would. I was enjoying everybody's company because these events bring together people from all over the country. But in the back of my head the whole time, I just felt like what was happening was so wrong. And I've seen it before and it's finally happening to me. And I thought about how this could happen to my kids one day if I'm lucky enough to have a family in the future. And my fear of having to explain that to my daughters is far greater than my fear of a smear campaign online by people who don't even know me. When, when you compete in skateboarding, like we, we've seen it in swimming, obviously, with Leah Thompson, and we've actually seen it in softball at Yale. What is the advantage? Um, is, it, is it the advantage that bothered you, or, or was it the fact that not only – well, well let's, let's go that route. How big of an advantage did you feel it would be? I think it's a huge advantage. Biological males in – skateboarding and sports across the board have an advantage because they're built differently than us. And there's a reason we have the women's divisions. Why do you think that's such a controversial thing to say? That is a question I think people all over the world are asking themselves right now. And I, I can't answer it for you. I don't know why it's controversial. How many, like, you know, you don't compete in a bubble, right? I mean, you talk to other competitors. How many of your <laughs> other competitors feel exactly like you do? But you know what? I don't need the hassle of people ripping me. You know what I mean? Yeah, after this happened, before I went public about it, I spoke to hundreds of people in the skate community explaining what happened, asking their opinion on it. And 100% of the people I spoke to agreed with me. And I was encouraged by my friends to speak up. When, has anybody, you know, has anybody joined you in that? Has anybody said, yeah, we're, we're going to, you know, in the skateboarding community, has anybody, you know, has it become a thing or are people kind of staying away? There are people on both sides of the debate and you see even um, people at all levels. There are professionals who speak about it on both sides. There are, people who are privately DMing me, thanking me for speaking up because they don't feel safe speaking up. So it's really something that we need to just be able to have a conversation in a reasonable and composed way because a lot of people aren't able to do that and they just resort to harassment and bullying. You know, it's funny, I, I, in the introduction, I talked about my wife. My wife is a legendary softball player and coach and She's like, look, why can't we just have a conversation about this? Why, 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 you know, why, why does somebody that actually speaks up all of a sudden called a hater transphobic, all that? Why, why? I don't know. Maybe I already asked this question, but it just baffles me that you can't have a simple conversation about something 
without being, I don't know, has your life been threatened? I mean, you, you've had some serious things said to you, right? Yeah, I've received all sorts of crazy comments and messages. Um, the hate comments on my posts on Instagram are unmanageable at this point because there's so many of them. But the reality of the situation is the majority of the messages I'm getting are supportive. And it's from people all over the world. It's parents of athletes. It's female athletes. It's professional athletes who compete in different sports who are reaching out to me. And also a lot of people in the trans community who agree with me on this and see that it's unfair. What so do they I, say? I what do folks in the trans community hate. say? What, I've what do folks in the trans from, community say? I've heard from a few different trans people who told me that they think that this is unjust and that they think it actually kind of drags their name in the mud because a small group of people do this. And it's not representative of the entire trans community. You know what's interesting to me? Um, and I'm curious your thought on this. This doesn't really affect you, but, you know, we all talk about that Leah Thomas, the swimmer, uh, you know, was a boy, now swimming with a girl. There's a, there's a girl at Harvard transitioning to a boy, okay, playing softball. And he gets to play in the women's softball team, not the men's baseball team. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's always women who have transgender thrown or transgender competitors thrown in with us, and we're just expected to deal with it. And we've seen that same um, issue in skateboarding too, with another skateboarder who transitioned to male, and then continued to compete with the women. Yeah, that, that that's inconsistent to me, right? Yeah, it's just completely unfair to girls and women, and our voices don't matter. To most people, according to the whole world, though, who's supporting me now, our voices do matter. And I really hope this encourages more girls and women to speak up because your voice does matter here. I want to go back to you. You, you. you did this a year ago and you wrestled with this, right? I mean, you fought, as you said, whether or not to come out, because let's be honest, as soon as you came and said this, you knew the crap you were going to take, right? You, you knew that it was coming. Yeah, so the contest occurred last December, and I went back and forth trying to decide what to do about it because I knew the backlash would be extreme, and I didn't expect it to become a worldwide story. I thought it would be more local outrage, but I, I was aware that there would be consequences. I, would, I was aware that people would harass me. I was aware that it could potentially put me in a dangerous position, but I just feel like if somebody doesn't do something now, this is going to keep going. This is going to keep getting worse. And this is going to have a major impact on the next generation of girls who want to participate in sports. I, I think that's a reasonable discussion. I don't think that's unreasonable to at least at the bottom line, have a discussion, a reasonable discussion, right? I don't think that's unreasonable to think. I agree. And I, it's disappointing to see how many people try to label me as being hateful or transphobic. And I really think that when you throw around words like that, it takes the value and the seriousness away from them. So it's harder to take it seriously when people do actually experience transphobia, which is a thing that occurs. But this isn't transphobia. This is advocating for fairness in women's sports.
Yeah. Um, let me ask you, you know, the mainstream media, have any of the mainstream media folks jumped on board with you? Yes, all, all the media that I've spoke to is on my side with this. And I've been doing interviews for the past couple of days and have a week ahead of me of more interviews and collaborations with YouTubers and podcasts. So you'll be hearing more from me. Uh, what was Red Bull's reaction? What has Red Bull's reaction been? So originally when I emailed them, they didn't respond at all, which is why I decided to make the post on social media. And it wasn't until it became a, a known story, a public story, that I got a call from Eric at Red Bull. It was right before I went on Piers Morgan. He called me and um, it was like from a private blocked number. So I didn't even know who was calling me. And he said that uh, it's Eric from Red Bull. And I just wanted to talk to you because I got your email and this is a really complex issue. And I said, you know, Eric, you had a lot of time to respond to my email, to schedule a time to speak to me. And it seems like you only want to talk now because it's a big story. So it didn't seem that genuine. And I feel like at this point, the best thing Red Bull can do is make changes in the way that they run their contests and issue a public apology to myself and the other girls who are negatively impacted by this. Did they do that? I have not seen any public statement or apology from Red Bull. I also haven't been keeping up with their social media or anything, but I haven't seen anything from them. He still hasn't responded to my email to schedule a time to talk. So, <laughs> you know, this is not only, and I know you only have a few. <laughs> I, th th this is, you know, I know you only have a few minutes, but this is a, this is your business, right? I mean, this is, this impacts your career and your finances as well. I mean, this isn't just like something that you do. This is a passion, but this is also part of your business. Yeah. And this actually isn't the first time that I've been in a contest with transgender competitors. I've been in three different contests with transgender competitors. This was the first one that there was money involved. And I really realized how big of a problem this is. But the truth is, on any level, even if there's not money involved, this is not fair for girls and women, and this should not be occurring in any sport. I think that Why people are listening to difficult? my story because of the money involved. I'm sorry, what was that? Why do, you, why do you think it's difficult for people to at least acknowledge that this is difficult, this is unfair to women, to women, just take women. Why is this... I, don't e I go back to my initial question. I don't even understand why this can't be a conversation because we know this is unfair to women. We, we know it is. Our genetics say it is. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of facts that people have to ignore to get on board with thinking this is fair. And I think that it's easier for most people to stay silent and comfortable. But for me, it was it was much harder to stay silent because I would feel very guilty watching this continue to happen to more girls and women, knowing that I didn't say something when I had the chance. What, last thing, when you push that button and you hit send, was your heart racing? 
What did you feel like? Absolutely. Well, in regards to the email, um, I knew it was just meant to be a private discussion between me and Eric. So I wasn't too worried, but I was interested in if I would even hear back or not. But when I posted the post on social media, I was scared. And people are acting like I'm fearless or I'm not scared. I was definitely scared. And it's okay to do something even if you're scared when you know it's the right thing. And the first couple hours of that post blowing up, it was mostly hate. It was mostly trolls being sent to my page to say terrible things to me. And I was very nervous, but within a couple hours, it completely flipped and it began to be all support. And the page blew up. My page grew uh, 10,000 or 15,000, so many followers, like within a couple of days. And I realized that I definitely did the right thing because this is something that a lot of people in the world care about and have been waiting for somebody like myself to say something. But even if you're scared, it's, it's still all right to speak up. I was scared, I spoke up anyway, and it feels a lot better to get it off your chest and do the right thing than it feels to sit in fear and silence. It was a huge relief. That's why I call you. Yeah, that's why I call you brave because I look, I've dealt with it. I know what's going to happen. Like I've had friend I had a friend who's a Sports Illustrated writer. He's scared to death. He covers swimming. He's scared to death about writing anything about Leah Thomas because of the, what exactly what you're talking about, the backlash. You know, you get fired from pretty good jobs if you just question anything and I just think that's wrong. We should question these things. We should. Yeah, and I think it's ridiculous that that you can get fired from a job for speaking up about this. In fact, I've had women in my inbox who have spoken up about this in their own sport and had people call their work and try to get them fired from their job. I felt like I was in a position where I didn't really have anything to lose other than some garbage friends who are going to turn their back on me and say a bunch of things that weren't true. But I've gained a lot and it feels good to speak up for what's right. So I really hope that this will encourage more people to do that and use their voice because we need that right now. What's next but for you? Th- for me, I'm going to continue skateboarding, traveling. I'm going to be making some more appearances to continue discussing the story. And um, we'll see where I go from there. But definitely a lot more skateboarding and a lot more traveling. I have a whole list of places I want to visit. So going to keep marking those off. Hey, last thing, for people that have hated on you, what would you like to say? I don't really have anything to say to the people who have hated on me. I hope that one day they can actually hear where I'm coming from, and I hope that one day they can look back at the hateful things that they have written on my page and maybe consider deleting them or apologizing because I... I can't help everybody who's not ready to have the conversation. I can only do what I see as fit. And in the position I was put in, I felt a moral obligation to stand up and speak up. But uh, I would like I really to say to the people you doing who, this. For the people who have supported me, who have oh. taken a second to follow my page, leave a nice comment, leave me a message telling me thank you. Thank you so much because reading those has been so encouraging and helpful for me. So thank you times a million for all of the support. It means the world to me right now.
Taylor, I can't thank you enough. I know you get a lot of requests. I appreciate you coming on our show. And even more than that, as, as someone whose stepdaughter is a softball player uh, and wife is involved in, I, 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 I thank you for speaking up. I just, regardless, you know, uh, it's not going to change what happened with you, but at least you can have a conversation. That's the thing that drives me nuts. You just, like, immediately we go to you hate on this group because you had the audacity to tell your story. You know what I mean? I, I don't get that. I, I, that baffles me in this world. It does, Taylor. It drives me nuts. It baffles me also. And I hope that my story can inspire more people to speak up. And I hope that it can inspire a, a conversation where people are able to talk in a reasonable way and come up with some solutions. Uh, at TM Silverman. Go follow her. Give her a follow. I mean, God dang. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you having me on. That's my pleasure. Look, I love brave people. I love brave women, man. I do. I love brave women. And it's easy, as she said, man, you can sit back. You can not say anything. You can just go along. But that's a brave woman right there. And we all know the deal. I mean, we, look, I got 155,000 Twitter followers. And I know if I say one thing, I guarantee you, I'm being crushed right now for even having the interview, but I don't care. Nobody's transphobic. Nobody's any kind of hate. Just a discussion. This is a new world, and you got to have discussions about things that are happening. And this happened to this, per, this uh, wonderful woman, and she's telling her story. And I don't get why this has to be such a controversial issue just to discuss. Jesus, criminy. And Red Bull, do the right thing, man. Whatever you think the right thing is, but at least respond to her. Don't hide. If you're going to sponsor a sport and you've got somebody in your sport that is bringing up an issue that actually, if you play it right, Red Bull, could probably help you, could probably put you at the forefront, whatever you decide, however you, but ignoring it is just stupid. Ignoring it is gutless. I mean, I get why. You're scared. You're like, you're like every writer around. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to say nothing because, hey, you know, somebody's going to call me an ist. You know how many times I've been called an ist? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Taylor and I right now, I haven't been to Twitter, but I guarantee you right now somebody is making fun of me or ripping her or whatever. I guarantee you. And, you know, hey, look, that's, that's on you. You know, I don't know. Well, she got to be Tony Hawk, so you listen. She's a woman that's protecting women and, and, and doing something from the heart. And it's the easiest thing in the world to do is to criticize. The easiest thing in the world to do is sit there under a fake name on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever, and rip somebody who is actually in the arena participating. Uh, it's the easiest thing in the world. It is. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so easy. So I admire people that don't just sit there and take it. I admire people that don't just sit there and make, you see, what we can all do, and I'm not trying to preach here for God's sake, but what we can all do is when we know something in our heart is wrong, we can all justify why not to, 
Why not to talk about it, right? We can all justify that. Hell, I justify eating bad food every day because I'm a fat pig. But she decided she's going out. She's going to speak up on it, knowing the consequences. I admire it. I got to sneeze. I got so worked up, I got to sneeze. So at the end of the day, there you go. Uh, good for her. Thank you, Davey and everyone for getting her on. These are the kind of guests that I love having on. I'll bet you anything you want, you're not going to see her on SportsCenter. <laughs> we got to have an Acho. <laughs> a Diana Rossini on SportsCenter telling us about sports. You know, these are important. This is important. But anyway, I love being involved, and I thank Davey and our crew uh, for getting us involved. So react. Throw out your hate. Let's hear it. Let's hear all the BS you guys want to say. I get it. I totally get it. Hey, uh, I got some video that I think you're going to like coming up. I do. I got some video on some fights. I got some stupidity in sports. I got a lot. Yeah, we do. I got a lot to talk to you peoples about stupidity in sports. And I got a couple bets for you. And by the way, I didn't talk about this. How about the lightning? Woo! How about my friend Dickie V's Tampa Bay lightning taking out my friend Brendan Cook's Florida Panthers and they swept them. They swept them. That's right. They kicked the living you know what out of them. I didn't like it because I was all in on the Panthers. All right. The bucket list is in. Let me review for you. Number five, go to a college basketball game, Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, or Cameron Indoor. Spend a little money. Review the tape. I told you how to do it right. Full Wrigley experience. Go to Wrigley Field. Go to Murphy's. Go have some swings at Slugger's. Go have a beer on your way in at the Cubby Bear. And stay at the Zachary Hotel right across the street. Alabama football game. I'm guessing I could say that about any SEC game, but man, Alabama football game. My God, is that fun. Whoo, is that fun. Kentucky Derby. Do it right. Don't go be a slob, get drunk, and roll around the infield and get arrested. No. Box seats. Not the big time. Not sweets. Box seats. Something nice. Something a little bit nice. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you got to be there for the start of the Indianapolis 500. You get there early. You see the pageantry. But I'm telling you, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, like the start, the power of the Indianapolis 500. All right. I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm taking this off. I'm going to be right back. I got some great stuff for you today in stupidity. I'll be right back. But if I don't go, whoo, doggy, we're going to have a problem. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me. That's a good interview. Taylor Silverman is a smart woman and a brave woman, and I like smart, brave women. I married one. I married two, actually. I did. No problem. My first wife, a smart, brave woman. I'm just trying to see if I got this iPad locked in. Sorry about that, but you know, sometimes you just got to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, how are you? I hope everybody's having a wonderful day. We do a segment 
It's called Today in Stupidity, which means Today in Different Things Stupidity. And you know what? On a daily basis, there is a lot to choose from in the daily stupidity of our sports world, of our modern world, of our entertainment world. Let's start with this. Let's start with that. See the Cardinals there? The Cardinals are going to be the featured in-season team for Hard Knocks. Last year, it was the Colts. So we all here in Indianapolis, when we were watching it, we were like, man, Colts have some really good dudes on their team. Like, they made the Colts look great. But by the end of it, by the end of it, I told my radio audience in Indianapolis, and I think I told them here, this is not going to end well for the Colts. By the end of it, you could tell that the cameras were bothering them. Now, everybody's not going to say that. Not one person is going to say, you know what? The cameras got in our way. You know what? We wish we hadn't done it. But here's the deal. In college sports, you want this. You want exposure. You want people to see your program. It leads to recruits. There really is nothing to be gained. There's really nothing. You get a little popular, but tickets are already sold. No no free agents are going to come because they saw what great guys you are. Nobody's going to do that. I don't think anyway. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. But there really is no... There's nothing to be gained out of this if you're the Cardinals. The Colts ended up, you could tell, they had... They have alluded to it, the Colts have, the players, about an internal problem last year. They've all blamed it externally on Carson Wentz, but I would argue, hey, a lot of the internal problems were caused by that. I'm anxious to see whether or not the Cardinals end up the year. At first, everybody's all excited, and then you go watch it, and then all of a sudden, wait a second, they didn't show that right. Wait a second, my scene got cut out. Wait a second. Uh, he's getting more airtime than me. That's that's normal in the world of athletes. It just is. I'm sorry. It is. Dumb. Stupid. I wouldn't do it. I would say no chance. Not even close. All right. Let's stay with the Cardinals. Let's stay with the Cardinals and go to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is going to skip OTAs. Now, here's the deal with that. There's always been a question about Kyler Murray. Is Kyler Murray good enough? Is he committed enough? It's always been there. Let's be honest. It's always been there. It isn't kind of, sort of, maybe been there. It's always been there. And then his playoff performance, well, frankly, was awful. And then he started whining about, well, they're blaming it on me. And then after he got done whining about them blaming it on me, then he started whining about his contract. And then he did what all grown-ass men do. I'm mad at my employer. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my social media of the Cardinals down. Yeah, I am. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. I'll show you, yeah, 
Yeah, that's how pissed I am. I'm going to show you guys, man. I'm taking my social media down. I mean, let's be honest. Are you a leader, aren't you? It's not like this guy's Tom Brady. Tom Brady do whatever the hell he wants. I mean, Tom Brady, he's been doing it 20 years. This guy's got a lot to prove, in my opinion. In my opinion. Now, in your opinion, you probably think he's great. Because greatness is easy. He's great in college, won a Heisman Trophy. I'll give you, that's great. But greatness in the NFL, look at his numbers, man. I, I did. I saw him in the playoffs. He was horrible. I saw him against the Colts. He was awful. A lot of questions about him. Okay. But you guys, oh, man, he's great. He's great. And then the other camp is, oh, this don't mean nothing. Really? If it didn't mean anything, they wouldn't have. Last year, the Colts, who are America's most woke franchise, decided that they weren't going to have OTAs. Okay. Despite having a roster that the local yokels here in Indy described as a Super Bowl roster, guess what they didn't do? They didn't make the playoffs. So Kyler Murray made the playoffs. He was awful in the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, Kyler Murray not going to be there. I'm not saying he should. I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm not saying anything. Same thing I said about freaking uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield should attend everything. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Nobody knows if Deshaun Watson is even going to set foot on the field this year. So Baker Mayfield attend. Different reasons. He needs to show that he's serious about his career. Kyler Murray needs to show that he's the leader of an outfit. So he doesn't show. Stupid. You don't understand the NFL. Ah, you're right. I don't. You do. You're good. No. It's dumb. If you're going to be a quarterback and you're going to be a leader of a team, then, and you haven't really proven yourself yet, and you want more money out of that team. There are two ways to go about it. One, sulk and threaten. That's always a good way. Nothing wrong with that. Hell, a lot of people do that. Oh, man. I'm taking my social media down. I'm threatening not to play. All right. The other way is to show up and lead. Prove your worth. Now, that's an outdated way, right? Dockich is yelling at clouds again. Show my worth. You know my worth. Really? What's your worth? Ah, you're pretty good. I mean, you're good. I don't know if anybody's going to trade for you, though. So maybe you are worth more because other teams are like, hey, wait a second. We need a 5-6 quarterback? I think he's pretty good. I'd like to have him on my team. But the word in the NFL is, yeah, I don't know. So you go prove your worth, right? Or is that so outdated? So Murray's decided he's going to show them. He's going to whine about his contract, whine about his treatment, and now he's not going to show for it. It's voluntary. I get it. But until you get there, I'm going to use this so it's in the screen. Until you get up here, that's a steep climb. And you got to do everything you can to keep climbing. And if you don't, man, feel bad for you. All right. But hey, look, that's just my opinion. You know what's really stupid? This is what I would tell my team if I were the Heat last night. Uh, The game is over, and I would tell the Heat, hey, fellas, fellas, get dressed and get on the bus quick 
before the Celtics come down here and kick our ass again. Get out. No. Get out of here. Let's go. We don't want another ass kicking in the locker room. Get on the bus fast. That's how bad an ass whooping that was last night. I mean, I do, I went through it earlier. 18 points by the starters. An all-time low. Since 1970-71, when they started tracking it. It was stupid for the Heat to get even on the plane and go to Boston. Why go? Uh-huh. Why play the game? Why get dressed? Why show up? Look, if you're not going to play, don't go. You know what? We don't feel like playing. We're not going to give any effort. We're, we're not really going to try. The game's going to start. And you know what? We're... Gonna be 18 to 1 against us. Ah, how about we don't show? It's stupid for them to show. Here's how I'd be walking around. Where's my hat? I'd be walking around like this if I was a heat player today. I'd have a I'd be scared. I'd be like, man, I I don't want anybody to see me. Hey, hell, I don't want anybody to see me. I'd have my floppy hat on down to here. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> seriously, I would. Man, I'd have like, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking for my hat. This is the closest thing I had, but I'd be wearing a floppy freaking hat. I'd be like, are you crazy? I don't want nobody to see me. 18 to 1 to start the game. 18 to 1 in a professional game. The starters scored a total of 18 points. So if you took just the start of the game and played it against the starters' totals, it'd be tied. It'd be tied. Right, Lula? Damn. Don't show. It's dumb to show up if you're in the heat. All right, you want to know a bad day? I'm going to show you a bad day. Hey, uh, you show up at work, you're, you're not having a great day. Big guy tries to load stuff onto a wheelchair. I don't know why that bothers you. He's trying to save a dime or two because, well, he for whatever the reason, he does not want to pay so you're, you're behind the counter at United and, you know, you're going to put a stop to this. Well, unfortunately for you, the guy's name is Brendan Langley. And Brendan Langley, well, let's see. They square off. Guy takes a swing and right about, boom, there we go. There we go. Brendan Langley drops the guy basically into the baggage conveyor belt. Now, look, I don't know what to tell you, but, oh, are you coming again? Are you coming again? Good for him. But I'm telling you, 
Don't fight. I've said this on my other radio show. I'll say it to you. Don't fight. You never know who you're messing with. When I was just out of college, a friend of mine, look at this. Boom. What are you hitting a guy for? Boom. There you go. Down goes big guy. Down goes United. (laughs) Don't do it. Look, within a five-mile radius, there are probably 10 gyms around my house. Five miles that way, that way, that way, all around. MMA, UFC, boxing. You never know what one of these guys is trained to do. You never know what some guy in an airport or some guy at a restaurant or some guy at a movie theater or some guy in your, the pool guy, the boat guy, the, the DoorDash guy, the mail guy. You never know what they're trained to do. When I was at, just out of college, a guy a little bit older than me, got, I died, got in one of these deals, got punched by a military guy right in the nose. This guy was a big football player. Nose went back in his brain. He was dead before he hit the ground. Don't fight people. Back in the day, you could fight somebody. Back in the day, nobody knew how to fight. Back in the day, nobody was videotaping it. Back in the day, nobody was sitting there with their cameras trying to get you. Now, not only did this United Airlines employee get his ass whipped, but he got fired on top of it. Uh Uh-oh. He got fired on top of it. And then, then... He's got to look at this for the rest of his life. He will forever be the United Airlines employee that got the living hell beat out of him on tape, virally, and got fired. Now, the dude Langley, Brendan Langley, was arrested in Newark. Now, I don't know what he got arrested for. Uh, I really don't. He said you can clearly see so many United employees watching everything unfold while I'm basically begging for help. Craziest part, no, not, not one of them helped. De-escalate the situation. It's like they wanted it to happen, like I had a target on my back. Hey, I don't know. Oh, he had a target on his back. I'm, I'm sure there's a different side of the story. He was charged with assault and released. They don't tolerate violence. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he's implying there, that he had a target on his back. Uh, I read something where it said he was trying to load stuff on a wheelchair so he didn't have to pay for the cart. I don't know what's true or not. I don't know what's being said. I got no idea. Here's my world. In my world, I ain't arresting Langley, and I'm not arresting the United guy. I'm firing the United guy because he's an idiot. And I guess if you got to arrest somebody to investigate, I'd arrest them both. But I'm not big on arresting people for fights. Here's the other deal. Oh, man. Don't ever punch someone in a bar. Friend of mine's son wasn't even there. He was at the bar, but he's on the other side of the bar. Allegedly, allegedly, the victim had roofied my friend's son and and two other guys' friend, a girl. They found her puking. This guy had a reputation. So one of the guys punched this guy, rustled up his face. Okay. Uh, 
the trial, not trial, the investigations three years running has caused so much hell for so many people. Don't punch anybody. Let's, let's just not. One of my goals in life is to never go to jail. Let's not punch nobody. All right. Can we all agree? But I got to tell you, that's a hell of a swing. All right. Today in stupidity, can somebody make sense of this? I like Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is a really nice guy. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched much of Skip Bayless. It's not like I watch. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I know I'm supposed to, but I, he's on when we're on. I, I don't know. So, But when I worked at ESPN and Skip was there, Skip was really, really, really considered a nice guy. Like, he's a workout maniac, gets up at 4 in the morning, works out like crazy person, you know, and all right, um, fine. Very successful. People love to hate him or love him or whatever, all right? He's bashed LeBron James forever. Now, and I'm making sure I have this, but one of the things that is happening is there's going to be a movie or a series or some kind of video about being married to Skip Bayless. The world is nuts. His uh, wife's name is Ernestine. All right. His wife's name is Ernestine. And apparently they met 14 years ago. He's married to his job. She worked at, she was a PR executive that brought Johnny Drama to Cold Pizza, the show that Skip started on. So then they would date. They dated for like 11 years, all right? So they date for 11 years. They get married. Fine. Now there's supposedly some kind of movie on what it is that being married to Skip Bayless is like. I got to believe this is some kind of reality Kardashian show. Apparently... Skip Bayless told Ernestine that he's married to his job. He has a 5,000-square-foot condo. It has three rooms, seven TVs, two 70-inches in his bedroom, and is two minutes from Fox Sports' studio. He makes $6.5 million a game, and all he does is watch games. All right. Now, apparently, Ernestine understands this life and gets the hell out of his way, which is cool. But a movie? I love this. I think a movie would be great. I like this kind of stuff. I know I'm weird, but I like it. I think these kind of things, somehow they draw me. I will ask you all, uh, Dylan and the rest of you guys, Ryan, Davey, do any of you watch any of the Real Housewives? Love Island. I love the Real Housewives. You're damn right. I watch Atlanta. I watch uh, Beverly Hills. I watch New Jersey. I don't think New York's still on. But I like them. I like them a lot. Like you, my wife tapes them. She thinks it's great that I'll sit down there and watch them. They're all insane. They're all completely out of their mind. But a movie is in the final stages for Ernestine and Skip Bayless. Uh, They authored a book, Balls, How to Keep Your Relationship Alive When You Live with a Sports-Obsessed Guy. 
Apparently, GAC is a Hallmark rival, and this is the network, which is, going, which is what it's going to be on. It is a positive, family-friendly movie. I like it. I like Skip Bayless. I do. I know we're not supposed to. I know he makes you mad. I know he rips LeBron, and we're all supposed to cry about that. Well, who cares? But a Skip Bayless movie, baby. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm going to do a poll later on today. What's your favorite Real Housewife? It's all right. You guys can admit it. You can admit it. It's like my radio show. Everybody in Indy says they don't listen to my show, but everybody does. Everybody says, I've never seen a Kardashian, but somehow they're making $20 million a piece off the deal every year. Everybody says, I would never watch whatever, and you do. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and you do. You get hooked. Same thing with Real Housewives. Telling you. When those folks in New Jersey start throwing stuff at tables in fancy restaurants, it don't get no better than that. No. No better. All right. Let's talk about things that really matter. What really matters is us making money. I got a kid that works on my show, Eddie Garrison. Eddie gave me yesterday, and he spelled it all out, how taking the Cincinnati Reds under four and a half against the Cubs was going to win me money. And guess what? Eddie Garrison won me money yesterday. Salute, my friend Eddie Garrison. Got close. But we won. How many times has it been close and we've lost? Let me give you one tonight. I'm not buying into the Mavericks. There are certain things in sports betting that you always take. The number one that you always take is Urban Meyer in college with the points. Period. Period. If Urban Meyer's teams are getting points in college, you take them. The second thing that I always take in the playoffs, if the Golden State Warriors are getting points, I take them. I got to tell you, I pretty much have that rule even in live betting. Golden State tonight is getting a point against the Mavericks. I like the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks are a fine team. I don't think they have enough Hall of Famers. I've written about it on OutKick. I've talked about it. Boom. They don't have enough Hall of Famers to beat a in-their-prime championship team like the Warriors. And the Warriors are getting one. A lot of people feel like, well, the Mavericks will steal one. Maybe they will. I don't know. But I will tell you this. I'm not even going to take the one. That's minus 115. I'm going to save five bucks and just take the Warriors to win the game. I think it'd be hard. But when I heard Jason Kidd the other day talking about this journey and the way I read into this, and I'm pretty good at this, I read it as a bit of a concession. Now, that goes two ways. One, you can concede. Two, you can buck up and you can get going. And you could say, hey, wait, we're going to win this game, you know. But I don't see it. I honestly don't. That's number one. I'm going to take the Warriors, and I'm going to – I think I'll take a point just because I feel like if you get a point, they're going to win. Now, the other thing I'm going to do is this, and I'd like you to try this. Here's Here's a move that has damn near worked every single time, particularly with the Warriors. You watch the game. You see how the game's going. If you know anything about basketball, you can kind of tell how the thing's going. 
And then you watch the over-under number. Now, understand this. If the game is fairly close, the over-under sometimes doesn't hit because, man, we're down one. We're not going to foul. Now, if the game is like 8-10, 6-8-10, then teams will start fouling. Then you can get overs to hit. So pay attention to it. It's the best advice I can give you tonight. Look, you can bet baseball. Baseball is the hardest thing to bet. We've talked about it on this show. But I'm telling you, if you know anything about basketball, you check out how the game is going, particularly third quarter into the fourth. You go back to your site and you look at the over-under numbers. The other day, the over-under, I forget what game it was. It went to like 100. I took it. It ended up, or 200, it ended up like 210. Something to watch. If I were going to bet baseball, uh, I think I would bet the Reds against the Cubs just to win the game. I feel like the Cubs can't win two games in a row on the road. The Reds and the Cubs are separated by five games. The Reds and the Cubs both stink. The Cubs last night got the win. Uh, The Reds scored four runs. And a guy named Aquino, who I don't know why Aquino isn't a freaking god in baseball, but if I were going to bet the Reds and the Cubs, which I think I might because, I, 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 you know, by 8 o'clock I'm done for the day. It's still light outside. I feel good. I turn the TV on and I watch the end of a game. I don't know. But I would take the Reds over the Cubs. But I'm telling you, the two bets today always, and I don't care, even if they lose, even if they get, even if they get beat, The Golden State Warriors getting points to me is the same, and people that know me know this. We bet our face off on Urban Meyer getting points in college football. Like, we bet our you-know-what off. We don't mess around. We bet it like it's our job when Urban got points in college. Same thing with the Warriors. Same thing. Uh, Tonight, today... I will be 12 to 3 at 1075 The Fan right here in Indianapolis. You can catch it anywhere. I got to thank Ryan and Davey and Dylan and Corey and everybody that works on this show. It's fantastic. Thanks for getting Taylor Silverman. She was terrific. Uh, Don't be afraid, as I say every day. I basically, all day long, because I'm competitive as hell and I try to get to 40,000 views a day, I'm nuts. Uh, I retweet different parts of our show all day long. If you wouldn't mind joining me in that, let's get this show building. It's building. I, I, I can tell it's coming. The Don't At Me official YouTube page starts in action on the 6th of June. Can't wait for that. Thanks to all my friends that are on the YouTube chat going back and forth on the issues of the day. I saw Ed Rogers was going back to California, different guys doing different stuff. Thanks for watching. We'll see you at noon on 107.5 The Fan. Don't forget, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. The Outkick 360 boys are on. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon.